Welcome to the Conscious Living Podcast, conversations to educate, empower, and enlighten our world. An uplifting and inspiring series of conversations and talks with your host, Jackie Woodside. We are educating minds, empowering lives, and enlightening souls to create a world where love prevails. In this engaging podcast, we deliver exciting, positive, transformative talks and teachings designed to elevate your life. Now, let's join our host, Jackie Woodside, for this week's session. Hi, everybody, and thank you so much for being here for another episode of the Conscious Living Podcast, where we seek to educate, empower, and enlighten our world. And today, I am so excited to bring to you someone who is an absolutely renowned expert in the area of conscious parenting. Isn't that a great topic? I know many of you are are probably parenting at some phase of your lives. I, I myself am a mom of a 17-year-old, and I'm particularly excited to bring Brad Reedy to the Conscious Living stage today because not only is he a renowned expert in his field, but he's also someone <clears throat> who's been involved with the, the executive clinical director of a program that my family has actually used. So uh, just over a year ago, my son was a part of the program that Brad is the clinical executive executive clinical director over at Evoke Therapy Programs. And that includes wilderness therapy, Evoke Intensives, which is our uh, kind of residential retreats for people, and then uh, Evoke Outpatient. And we have been a part of two of the three of those with my own family experience. And I can speak very personally about the impact that Evoke Therapy had on my son's life and on our family's life when he spent six weeks in the wilderness of Oregon with this extraordinary therapist and staff from Evoke Family Therapy. And since his uh, release and discharge from that program, he has had a complete 180 degree turnaround and is doing exceedingly well. So Brad Reedy, it is my honor and privilege to thank you publicly on my podcast for, uh, while you didn't work personally with my son, you oversee and direct a program that has had a tremendous impact in our lives. And I couldn't be more grateful to bring you to the conscious living stage today. Thanks, Jackie. It's honor. It's an honor to be here with you. I appreciate being here. Yeah. So for people who maybe don't understand uh, wilderness or maybe don't even understand therapy, just say a little bit more about your path, Brad, and, and who you are and what you're doing with Evoke Therapy. <clears throat> sure. I, I was introduced to wilderness therapy and was just as much a stranger to it as probably the average person listening. Uh, essentially, wilderness therapy is therapy with camping it's camping outdoors living in small groups and what i love about wilderness what i what caused me to fall in love with wilderness is that the talk therapy that you do when you go out there as a therapist and you meet with the kids is is wonderful and it's i i love i love talk therapy i i i have a small private practice myself but it was it's so provocative it does all the work for you living in small groups the conflict the, the the problem solving the communication mirrors the exact same processes that kids were successful with or struggling with at home. And so you you get to see the clients in, in real time struggle with the things they struggle with. And you're not just treating abstractly concepts. You're, you're dealing with their daily living. These small groups become these, these microcosms of the family. So 
living outside, primitive living, we call it nomadic living, which means that they're hiking from location to location. They never come inside. It is an opportunity to treat clients and, and really bypass resistance because you can talk to somebody in therapy and they can self-report all they want. But when you're when it's on the ground, when you're watching it, they're, they're living in these groups, they're having to camp and move camp every day. You really get access to issues that, that people might not be aware of or not might not be willing to report. So it's a fantastic combination of therapy and, and an experiential therapy that really does the trick out there. It's fantastic. Yeah, we went out and spent a night in the wilderness with my mm -hmm. son. Uh, primitive is a very good word, uh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, sleeping not in a tent, but just underneath a tarp, uh, right. sleeping bag and a, and a tarp. And um, it was just really an extraordinary mix of kind of milieu therapy, where you're working with the staff are working with the boys, and then individual therapy and family therapy. We met right. every week. It's it's so holistic in how you you know I, I really appreciated about your program that you really focus not just on if you will the problem child, but you focus on the family system, which is really right. what we want to spend some time talking about today. So let's talk a little bit about that, you know, and, and why Evoke focuses on the whole system, because that leads us into this topic about conscious parenting. Now, I've, you know, I've been a therapist for 30 years. I, I had been a clinical director of psychiatric programs before. It's not like I didn't understand this stuff uh, or didn't know how to practice uh, right. kind of being a good parent. And yet... We ended up uh, in a situation with a highly dysregulated uh, teenage boy that was way beyond my capacity. And there was so much that I had to learn from you and your program about conscious parenting. So why do you work so much with the family system and how does that relate to people being more awakened, more conscious right. parents? You know, I'll, I'll give you the practical answer and then I'll... I'll tell you a little bit about the theoretical answer. The practical answer is everybody's suffering. You know, I'm a father of, of four children and I've had children who've struggled with mental health issues over the years. And, and inadvertently I become part of a reinforcing pattern where, where I'm feeding into it and because I'm suffering because I'm stressed out or anxious. And that anxiety, as you know, when you're anxious and, and afraid, you do things to try to control things and, and, and control oftentimes doesn't lead to the outcome that you want. And so simply put, there are just patterns there, there are there are emotions that are parents that are that are going through um, that if we can address those, we can help a parent find clarity and, and peace and comfort. You know, I, I say in my writing that parent education and parent work doesn't change children, but it changes parents. And that change, the change in a parent can have a wonderful impact on the child. So very practically, it's about reducing parents' suffering and giving parents clarity and confidence, um, a sense of self that maybe they didn't quite, quite capture in their own childhood. So that's the, the practical evolution of all of this is that we just we, it just evolved out of our work and working with families. I also see that working with a parent and, and doing some of their work, becoming more conscious is a vulnerable process. As you know, it's a, it's a painful process. It's, it's hard to unlearn things and, and learn a new way of seeing the world. And having a parent model that for a child, they're, they're asking the child essentially to do that for themselves because mental health healing is, is in large part becoming conscious of, of what's, what the symptoms are, are, are telling you, what the symptoms are, are speaking, um, what, the wound that they're speaking from. So when parents can do that, when a parent can become uh, an example of the work, the child's burden is lifted, 
and they they understand from the model the parent is giving what it means to be human. That's kind of the practical answer. The technical answer, which is even more impressive, I think, is that um, the research shows consistently that the best predictor of of child's mental health going forward, the child's mental health going forward, is the attachment between the parent and the child. And the number one predictor of the ability to provide a healthy attachment, a secure attachment to a child, is how much work the parent has done on their own childhood, period. It's not how good the childhood was. This is the magic, I think, Jackie. It's not how good your childhood was or bad it was. It's how much work you've done to understand it. And that that work and, and, and the, the, the research is, is, is exhaustive on it. Daniel Siegel has written a lot about this in Parenting from the Inside Out. If a parent will do that work, will look at their own trauma, their own triggers, their own anxieties, their own instincts, where that came from, they can provide a better parenting environment for the child. And, and it gives them peace and clarity and confidence and, and a sense of empowerment. So practically it, it works for us. And also the research bears it out that a parent who's willing to become more conscious is a parent who's more capable of parenting a struggling child, period. And, and, and both are satisfied. It's not like the, the child isn't struggling anymore, but the parent has more capacity, tools, and insight with which to respond to the child's struggles. Yeah. And when you say become more conscious, yeah. What what do you what specifically do you mean by that? You know, the the, the parts of our brain, the, the prefrontal cortex, the top and front parts of our brain are are more conscious parts. You know, we can think um in terms of time and goals, we can anticipate consequences, we can be responsive to our environment to to, to stimulus and, and things that happen to us to events. Our fight or flight part of our brain, the part of our brain that, that perceives threat, if that's the part that's running the show, we're reactive. We're not conscious. It's it's knee-jerk. It's unconscious by yeah. definition. And so part of the work is to to delve into our histories, delve into what's going on. So we're we're not responding to a stick that's lying on the ground as it is a rattlesnake. We're responding to the stick very slowly and saying, oh, that's just a stick. I can step over it. It's not a threat. It's it's that simple. It's brain science that the more conscious you can become, um, the more capable you are of what neurologists call response flexibility. My mm -hmm. child's struggling. Maybe I find my child is cutting or I find they're drinking. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's more conscious can pause, feel the emotion that that might bring up for them, digest it or metabolize it, and then proceed to make decisions about what would be best for the child. Somebody who's unconscious or, or reactive might respond with anger or fear or lecturing or nagging or over-the-top consequences or even in denial because it's too threatening, they might ignore it. So the conscious parent, the conscious living parent, if you will, is more capable of being creative, of, being, um, of having um, insight and foresight into things. And so it really is not just a, a nice slogan and a nice name for a podcast. It really is the work in therapy, which I actually have a tattoo based on a Joseph Campbell lecture that talks about this idea that the goal is to become more conscious. We think we know who we are, but there's so much beneath the surface that's driving our behaviors that we that if we attend to, we can get back in the driver's seat. Yeah, yeah. I, I like when you say it's not about whether or not you had a good or bad childhood. Yes, yes. That's so important because I, I, there really is a design to a human being. Um, yes, yes. 
And the design of the human being is so much about, you know, when you're kind of driven by the unconscious drives of the of the ego, the, the psychological right, right. mechanism that is about protection, that drives the fight or flight. It can right. be the simplest things that feel like it's an affront to our value, our worth, uh, our credibility, our relevance. Right. Uh, and I, I think in parenting and in re relationships in general, you know, there's different triggers for different people, but but it's all kind of the same mechanism right. of, uh, you know, the ego feeling threatened right. um, uh, and responding in some way. So that's one of the things I think about in terms of of living more consciously is not being able to, you know, get rid of the ego or kill the ego or that the ego is even bad. It's not. Right, right. But the more you identify with the ego versus kind of identifying with your more awakened self, right, your essential nature, uh, the, I think the less capacity you have to form good relationships when you're more highly identified with the ego. W what do you see about that, Brad? I, I mean, absolutely. I think that, you know, I have four children. The oldest is 29. The youngest is 14. So it's 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 been a long time. Yeah, that's a parenting. lot of parenting. Yeah, right. You know, when the twenty nine year old was was a teenager, I remember reacting to an incident of him bullying a neighbor kid, a younger neighbor kid, a next door neighbor, and being so embarrassed, so angry, so reactive. I mean, it was that day that I found that out was one of my worst parenting moments. The way I reacted to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You contrast that with some of the struggles that my 14-year-old has had, and I can pause. I can feel the emotion. I can feel the anger, the rage, the control, the anxiety, the embarrassment, what, whatever it might be. I can digest it. I have more tools. I always teach, if you don't take care of yourself in your life, therapeutically, clinically, whatever, yoga, whatever it is that you do to take care of yourself, you're going to tend to want to take care of yourself in relationship to your child so when you're parenting that day that i responded to my now 29 year old was to resolve my feelings now today uh, by no means perfect but i am more capable of slowing it down and saying what does my daughter need I i'm feeling angry or sad or, or scared whatever that is but i have a therapist i have a practice i can take care of that over here so now when i'm talking to my daughter when she gets in trouble in school or she's showing um some of the behavior that might might concern me i can i can respond intentionally i can respond proactively i can respond with her needs more in mind because i've attended to mine that's such an important statement i can respond with her needs instead of mine because i've taken care of my needs i mean that's that i think is the central component of conscious parenting Yes, yes. I'm able to take care of the child's needs. And I, I, I might also, by extension, say that might be a formula for conscious coupling as well. Yes. I can actually oh, yes. hear what the need is of my partner, my spouse, because I'm taking care of my own needs so that I have, I can take the blinders off, the blinders of the ego that say it's all about me. Right, right. right. Uh, or, it, or if I can't in that moment, at least own. Like right now, I'm just responding from it's all about me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. My wife and I call it marriage 2.0 when we shifted from it's my job to make her happy and it's her job to make my happy to it's my job to make me happy. It's her job to make her happy. And then we try to come to the marriage happy. That's a different kind of marriage than me coming with my 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 cup, begging for my needs to be taken care of by, by her and vice versa. 
that tends to lead to conflict and resentment and anger and shame versus look we're human beings and living together is a for a long period of time as you know is a, is a huge accomplishment by any couple right if they're doing it in an awakened way and so the work now is that i'm responsible for my inner state she's not and vice versa and and i know that might sound simple and maybe even trite yeah but it's 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 all the difference in the world conscious right. coupling it's simple but it's not easy it is yes, a simple yes. concept. And yes. I, I want to say one thing by extension. When we, so I've been with my spouse for 22 years. So that's uh -huh. kind of a long time living together kind of thing. Yes. Um, when you get to that place of I'm responsible for my happiness and taking care of myself and, you know, my spouse likewise, I, I've also come to a place where my happiness is um, compounded by seeing my spouse be happy. Yes. So they, yes. like, I get great happiness and satisfaction out of that, which again may sound trite. I might have rolled my eyes at someone who said that back when I was single. Right. Uh, but so it it kind of becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, or or it compounds on itself that the more I can attend and take care of my own needs and happiness and be responsible for myself, that opens the door to being able to see and recognize that I'm happier when my spouse is happy. Yes. You know, I, I don't want to get too much into the, the, the technical aspects, but, but I believe that one very common experience of children is that they become responsible for their parents' happiness. So true. You know, the, the adage of you're only as happy as your least happy child is child. something people actually aspire to. It's a, they think it's the, the highest form of love, but what that, feels like to a child, especially one that has mental health issues yeah. like anxiety or depression or substance use disorder, is they feel such shame and guilt and, and, and they feel horrible about themselves that their parents are so upset and sad and heartbroken. These people that love them the most, the most that they're capable of loving. And so we go from that relationship to, to marriage and we expect, again, to be responsible for each other's happiness. So part of it is about unlearning that idea same thing we do with parenting as you know we say to the parent your serenity as they do in Al-Anon your serenity is your responsibility right you have to go get your peace of mind somewhere else so that when you show up to the the, the son or the daughter of the child you can be there for them and it's the same way in marriage when when my wife is uh, forgive the, the 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 analogy maybe this is too personal but it's she says this to me she says when you take care of yourself it's the sexiest you can be right when you when I know that you can live in your truth and, and, and take care of yourself and be assertive, even with her, even when it's not easy. She says, that's the most attractive that you can be to me. And that, that's the way I feel about her. When she's out living her life and fulfilling her dreams, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm, it's compelling. I want to be with that. Exactly right. There's, it, it really builds on itself. Yes. I, I love this. So let's extend this a little bit into, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about people who are listening to us who, who have varying... I degrees of experience with maybe being in therapy or, or, or newer to the notion of conscious living. So, so let's talk to that person that's kind of newer. Maybe they're newer into therapy or they're newer into this notion of being conscious in relationships. Where do we begin, Brad? And, and as I ask you that question and you think about the answer, I, I want to, I have to plug your podcast because, uh, you know, we're going to spend whatever half hour, hour together here. But every week you put out an extraordinary podcast that, I mean, you don't call it this, but but I think it's a podcast about kind of the how-tos and the struggle 
with being conscious, moving toward a more awakened state, a more conscious state. And week right. after week, you take on various topics. And what, what's the name of it? I forget. It's the evoke. Finding you. It's called finding you. Finding you. Yeah. The evoke therapy podcast. And it's, it is just, it's one of my favorites when, when we were going through the kind of crisis phase with my son, I would listen to sometimes two or three episodes a day. So grounding for me to just kind of bring me back to my center. So I want to acknowledge you for that and and the just what an extraordinary piece of work it is. But let, let's go into this, you know, the, somebody who's newer on the on the on the road of this, or maybe they're not so new, but they're still struggling with it. Right. How do we begin or or deepen our process of awakening? Well, you you kind of stole my fun thunder talking about the podcast because that's right. You know, I, I I posted something on social media uh, yesterday uh, about how it was actually something that my daughter had said in the discussion we were having. My daughter's a, a therapist and works for us, and she's extraordinarily gifted. Uh, we were walking away from a training, and she said, "I just noticed that defensiveness doesn't feel like defensiveness. It feels like you don't understand me." You don't get the whole picture. That's what it feels like. It doesn't, when you're being defensive, it doesn't feel like it. And, and we were talking about how amazing that, that, that awareness is. So I posted something about it and somebody wrote back and said, I feel seen. I hadn't talked to them. This was not in relationship to them. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't making an observation about their life, but part of my work on the podcast and, and the two books that I've written even in my social media, which is essentially my, my therapy journal, my, my ideas of therapy and in real time, just, just being posted. The, the idea is when you find yourself, which has been my work, when you find yourself, you essentially find everybody else at the same time because we're different. There's no doubt about that, but we're similar in some core ways. And so if you haven't had a good experience or if you're reluctant, I will tell you that good therapy feels good. Good therapy feels like you're seen and understood um, and, and respected. Even if you're struggling with something that you think is silly or ridiculous, even if you have a defense, let's say you're drinking too much or eating too much or, 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 or shopping too much, the therapist, a good therapist won't come in and say, well, that's wrong. You need to fix that. A good therapist will say, I want to understand. You must have a good reason for those behaviors. Who wouldn't like to be heard? Who wouldn't like to be understood? At that level. And for me, Jackie, when you are understood and in a safe place, you can become more conscious. And when you can become more conscious, you can heal whatever's underneath the symptom. And like we talked about earlier, you can be you can move from being a victim to your life to life to becoming the hero of your own life. Right. The main character in your own life. And I think that 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 experience of sitting with a compassionate other I would say start with a podcast. Listen to a, a podcast for 15 or 20 minutes. Not all therapy and not all therapies are, are the same, but find somebody. I talk a lot about what to look for in a therapist. Find a therapist who looks to find you and not fix you. And when you find that person, I don't think there's a person I've ever met that that will 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 not find that rewarding because they'll meet you where you're at. If you're an intellectual person, they won't try to knock down your, your, your defense of over-intellectualizing things. They'll try to understand where you're coming from. That's just a different experience than what we think of as therapy, because I think we think of therapy, and a lot of people who practice it do this, they think of it as coming in, seeing the problem, and fixing it. And I don't think good therapy is that. I think it's coming in, hearing the person's story, 
understanding it, reflecting back a sense of compassion. And from that place, from that precondition of safety, the person can heal and become more aware of themselves like you teach about. So great, Brad. I, I want to just expand on that a little bit, because when we were in that crisis with my son, we had gone through three other outpatient therapists who had been treating my son and in and fa and family therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and he had some individual therapy as well. And not one of them could get him to take the hood off, look at the camera, you know, barely be on camera. You know, it was kind of off to the side, uh, head down, fiddling, doodling, you know, barely hear his answers. And then after, I think even before, yeah, before we went into, my son went into a wilderness, we hooked up with one of the evoke therapists. And within, I don't know, two or three sessions, he was sitting up, you mm. could hear his voice, the hood came off. Uh, it was remarkable. And all, and I just a shout out to the therapist that we we're working with, are working with is Travis Slagle. Mm -hmm. Uh, extraordinarily talented therapist. And any time now that I hear other parents who are struggling with their teens, I say, call evoke therapy. Mm. Because this, and I, I want to ask you a little bit about this. So it made a tremendous difference, even mm -hmm. other therapists. And we had, oh my gosh, we had this one therapist, um, exactly what you said. Like she would, before she even got to know Nathan, she's like, so I hear you have a problem with, you know, being online and that, you, you know, you don't get it. She started there, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that didn't go so well. But I, I want to talk a little bit about the foundation of the work that Evoke does, and it's around attachment, attachment right. therapy or attachment uh, theory. Yeah. So can you speak a little bit about why is attachment so central to our well-being and to conscious living? When we talk about attachment-based therapy or attachment-informed therapy, um, most people think of attachment styles, secure attachment, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment. Um, and, and really, that's a very small part of what we think about when we think about attachment-informed therapy. Attachment-informed therapy suggests that the relationship between the therapist and the client is the gold, is the pixie dust. So for example, when I have a child that comes to an intensive with their parents and they don't want to be there and they're reluctant, just like you said, head down. After a while of meeting them where they're at, instead of imposing yourself on them and doing to them, uh, you know, maybe what your gut might tell you is to kind of tell them to look at you, tell them to take the hood off, tell them to sit up straight. You kind of assume that they're doing what they're doing for a good reason. Right. That's a compassionate, child-centered, client-centered approach. It's really... It's, you know, the best way to talk about it. It's Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers. Yeah. yeah. He was an attachment based TV host. Yeah. He didn't yeah. call himself that. But sure. when a child was scared, he didn't try to get the child to not be scared. When a child was angry, he didn't try to get the child to not be angry. He gave the child a safe place to feel it. And then the child fixed themselves, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that's what attachment therapy is, is we assume that symptoms are a wise part of you that, that is trying to be heard that hasn't found a way to be heard. So when, when, when families leave our intensives or, or even couples, the child will often say, I felt seen and heard in ways I never have. The parent walks away saying, I have a project that's not the kid, but that I know what to work on now. Or I love it when this is stereotypical, but it's common. The husband says, 
if I would have known that a couple's intensive was going to be like this, I would have come years ago because I thought I was going to be on the hot seat and be criticized and be told I need to express my feelings more and be vulnerable because that's the what the culture says about men. Instead of saying, you must have your walls up for a good reason. And I want to understand that. Yeah. And in understanding that, you heal yourself. That's attachment-based therapy is that if I can respond to you like a, 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 like a securely attached parent would, you can heal. If I come in, like most of us parents, and I, I say this about myself as much as anybody else, when we come in wanting to fix the problem, to change the symptom, to cure the issue, it feels like another attack. A child or a person builds a wall to protect themselves from threats, and we come in with a pickaxe and a hammer because we care and we want to help them. All they feel is the threat. All they feel is not safe. And the wall gets thicker and higher or, or, or they run to another corner where you can't find them. And so attachment makes all the difference in the world. Attachment is I want to understand, not fix. And I believe in understanding, like Mr. Rogers model, in understanding and giving you a safe place to feel the things that you were told were, were wrong feelings or bad feelings or feelings that were threatening, you can heal yourself. And that's the difference. So that was just a brilliant, brilliant summary of it. People have the capacity to heal themselves when they're seen and heard. Yes. When they're not threatened, when they feel yes. safe. And again, I go back to what I was saying about being run by the ego. When the ego feels threatened or unsafe, it will put its walls up. Yes. Uh, it will defend. That's yes. you know, That is the role of the ego is our survival. The ego is not designed for you to thrive. No. Nope. Ego is designed for you to survive. Yes. And when people understand that and they can begin observing themselves, I, I want to just say to our listeners, the, the 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 way that, as I spoke to the therapy that we went through, the way that Travis uh, Slagle, who was, is our family therapist, approaches it is so, so simple. And I want to share this, uh, approaches mm, difficult emotions or, yeah. or senses that you might mm -hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does something that's so simple. He'll say, I'm just curious about this. Can you help me understand? Mm -hmm. Or I'm just curious about this. I'd like to understand it better. Or I want to understand you better. And then he'll say that, you know, the thing, I, you know, I, you know, if it was my son, I, I just want to understand this. Uh, what is it, you know, that has you not want to sit up and, and look at me? What is right. it? You know, I'm just curious. And that notion of I'm just curious, it takes the weight off of the person so that the ego can soften. Right. Oh, they want to understand. And I particularly like, I use this in my leadership work. I particularly like, can you help me out here? Yeah, right. Can you help me understand? Because now it's like, oh, the ego says I have a role. Oh, I have to help them. And it softens that defensiveness. It opens the heart and it creates a connection. So I'm so, so deeply grateful for Travis Slagle, mm. my therapist, for Jay, I forget his last name. Oh, he doesn't Alpine. use Jay Alpine, who was the field therapist at Evoke Therapy, and grateful for you, Brad, for the clinical, but also uh, almost spiritual leadership uh, that you provide. I know you don't call it that, but that's the experience I have of it. The, the just human uh, sense of love and connection that you train your your all of your staff and your clinicians with it's it's made a profound difference 
in my family and in my life. So I know people, after hearing our stories today, your your brilliant clinical insights, my personal story, people are going to want to talk to you, know more about Evoke. So where should people look to learn more about Evoke Intensives, Evoke Wilderness, you personally? Where where right. should people get in touch? The few places. You can go to evoketherapy.com. That's going to have all of our services. It's going to have links to my books and links to the podcast on the homepage. DrBradReedy.com is another place that you can go. Um, and our social media, like my social media, Dr. Brad Reedy at Dr. Brad Reedy is my daily thoughts. You know, in addition to the podcast that you mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm writing down insights that, that clients are, 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 are teaching me about every day. Um, and we also have at Evoke Therapy Intensives and at Evoke Therapy social media on, on all platforms. So those are spaces you can go. Again, what you asked, where do you start? Start with a couple of links there and yeah. look and see, are you here? It's, it's, are you hearing something different than, than you've heard before that you, that you expected to hear? And my experience is we're saying something a little bit different than what popular culture is talking about in terms of mental health. And I think it can be, I have a lot of people who will say they'll start with a podcast or they'll start with a social media post. And then after a while, they're willing to talk to a therapist because they love what they're hearing. Right. And, and it just snowballs into a, a, a more conscious, more robust life. Yeah, so great. And I just want to say, too, that you're located in Utah, but you do do the family coaching. You call it the family coaching uh, online. I right. know people might be like, oh, I don't want to see a therapist online. I will just say it's been very effective for yeah. us. Of course, it was during COVID also. Sure. Um, so, the, you know, you don't have to be in the geographic location of Evoke Therapy. And then also, you also do your intensives, your individual and your family intensives online. Is that also correct? We have an online version that we started during COVID that, would, that we were surprised went as well as it did. Yeah. But we have, a, we have a home outside of Park City, Utah, a beautiful home outside of Park City where families, couples, and individuals come and do two, three, four, five-day therapeutic intensives. Beautiful. And I've heard extraordinary things about those. I've I've got that on my bucket list of evoke services to consume. So mm -hmm. that sounds really great. Thank you so much, Dr. Reedy, for being with us, for sharing your wisdom and uh, and for the work you're doing to make the world a more conscious place. It's been great working with you. Thank you.